episode 149, Psychology Cop Doc and True Crime Podcaster. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we're Dr. Shalo Katani's perspective. Join 2017 and 18 Podcast Awards nominated host and best selling author on Amazon as we get a behind the curtain look at all types of doctor and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Welcome back to A Doctor's Perspective. Couldn't be more happy to have you listen to the show once again. I was on hiatus since mid-November. I moved back to America for a few weeks and then moved to Germany, which is where I'm at right now. And, you know, it took a while to get internet, get familiar with the new job, the new city, and all of that. So uh, thank you for being patient. About two weeks ago, I let released two of the minisodes, so we had a little bit of fun uh, with those episodes. Um, as always, if you need any information about the show, supporting the show, books, uh, free PDFs, top 10 lists, etc., it's a doctorsperspective.net slash all links. The new book, Succeeding at Chinese Dinner, is on Amazon. It was released in January of 2020. Really excited about that. Pretty much, again, sums up anything you need to know about how to look good or save face, as they say, in front of a boss instead of family members. Uh, for whatever reason you possibly have to go to China, dinner is hugely important. And with this book that you can read on the airplane, really, you'll be able to maneuver those as if you were local or been there for a long time. And that goes a long, long way. All right. So let's jump into this episode. This is round two with Dr. Shiloh. First episode she was on, 22, was the top episode of the program for at least two years. She's a forensic psychologist. And her and her best friend started a podcast where it's a true crime but they discuss it based on like forensic psychology. So really cool. They've actually been invited to different conferences. And so I'll pick her brain about all of that. Plus what is forensic psychology? She works with the police department now. You know, is she more like a bones, a blue bloods, a cop on lethal weapon? Eh, we'll figure it out. Okay. We'll go figure it out together as the interview moves along. We also discuss suicide prevention because it is a hot topic right now in the police department. And it's, it's interesting how her, her journey from being a cop, counseling sex offenders, to now counseling police officers again gives her such a unique view and just completes the circle that she's in. And she just loves it to death. So you'll definitely feel the passion she has when she answers the questions. Before we begin the interview, we all know coronavirus has taken the world by storm. So I hope everyone is washing their hands for 20 seconds, doing social distancing, and whatever else the WHO will recommend as well as your government federal and city so y'all stay safe i want you to know if you are having neck or back pain because i'm a chiropractor headaches etc send me an email a shout out on social media and we can do some one-on-one skype based health calls okay no i can't crack your back adjust your spine through the video but if you're at home doing self-quarantine or just suffering with some pain I can definitely show you some exercises, stretching, ergonomics, nutritional help, whatever, to help you manage your pain and symptoms while we're all not going out as much as usual. So uh, let's not wait any longer. All the show notes at doctorsperspective.net slash 149. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from Cologne, Germany and Los Angeles. We have a special guest today, a repeat guest, because she had one of the top episodes ever on the show that just recently got surpassed. Can't believe it. We got the Dr. Shiloh Katanese on the show today. 
How are you? Maybe I can make this one the new top one. I don't know. <laughs> you had the word sex in the first one, and I really think you know how it is. And we That's actually had a conversation about these it. things. So <laughs> definitely, you know, you analyze. I'll try to throw it. that in somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I hear coronavirus is uh, transmitted by sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are recording in a very uh, interesting time today. That's for sure. Yes. Today we're recording one day in my end before St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, we're in the midst of subways being reduced and bars and clubs and businesses being shut down in case this is still around in like 30 years. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. It is like, it feels like end times to our generation. <laughs> no. <laughs> I got a new recording area. It's in the kitchen. It's less echo, hopefully. But uh, you can see my couple canned goods. We... We didn't go crazy, but, you know, you got to be prepared in case everybody else goes crazy. So I guess we participated in it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm a little bit of a prepper, not a crazy, you know, bunker prepper. But um, I was putting on some of my social media for my podcast yesterday about what I sort of carry in my car, what I keep in my office. Of course, in L.A., we have to worry about earthquakes. Yeah, I was just kind of had some free time. So I was telling the folks what I keep with me. Yeah. You know, one pack of toilet paper is enough, you know? Hey, yeah. there's always books around. That's it. That's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Hopefully not my book. I mean, mine's amazing, guys. Come on. Right. Come on. Okay, so let's jump in. So since the last time we talked, you started a podcast, uh, LA Not So Confidential. That's correct. I did. You were um, one of the people that I picked your brain a little bit at the beginning to say, how the heck do I start this? But yes, I have started that. It's actually co-hosted it with my best friend from graduate, well, not graduate school, we actually did our internships together. And he is also a forensic psychologist. And we talk about forensic psychology, but we tie it into true crime, which we know is big right now, totally having a moment. And we thought we would fill the void where a lot of other podcasts didn't really talk about real psychological issues. They were just sort of regurgitating these crime stories and we wanted to merge those two things because that's essentially um, our world and our professional life um, but it's been a blast we've been doing it since October of 2017 whoa that really is long that's it's crazy I mean not compared to you no You've been doing this forever well, since January of the same year practically so that's what I'm saying I was like <laughs> okay. we were still both doing it I mean I took a hiatus for a couple of months that turned in a little bit longer than I expected but uh that was freeing. It makes you realize and reevaluate. Like, is it worth it? Is it still enjoyable? And it, it is. So, okay. Awesome. I would listen to, you know, a couple episodes. One of them was interesting. I'm not a true crime guy. Like, I've never listened to one episode of anybody else's podcast with that genre, except yours, just be, I mean, for obvious reasons. You know, it's fun. You know, there's some language on there. I know some of the reviews were like, oh my gosh, they cuss. I was like, <laughs> y'all need to grow up. <laughs> We are professionals, but we're also people. Dr. Scott and I wanted to keep it very casual and conversational. One, it's just easier to prep that way. We don't, we don't have time to write scripts, but we wanted it just to feel like, actually, one of our reviewers put it best. They said, it, I feel like I'm sort of eavesdropping on two forensic psychologists when they're on their lunch break. And, and it's, it speaks to the relationship, obviously, between him and I and us just being good friends. Yeah, there's, there's some F-bombs dropped every once in a while when <laughs> we have, like, some shocking thing to say or whatever. But we wanted to keep it 
so it it just relates to a lot of people and yeah. who wants to hear a couple of doctors talking psychobabble so yeah yeah like i think one of the episodes was like stockholm syndrome oh yes part two i think it was because there was some people that were not understanding or there's like a lot of backstory behind that so that was really a, a interesting concept for me to uh to, to hear about and the way you guys approach it um so, but let's backtrack. Forensic psychology. Let's dive in because you work for a gigantic corporation that uh, you went from the sex offender advocate to to this and dealing with the psychosis. So just give us a, what does your job look like? Are you the bones of, remember Bones? That was a show, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll tell you what I'm not and then I'll tell you what I am, um, which is a good. I, that's actually an awesome question because... So much of what we get informed about is, comes from media and television and what we see. And so forensic psychology is kind of this umbrella term for any psychological field that overlaps with the criminal justice system. So last time I talked to you, I was working in that arena where I was a, a therapist for the sex offender population where I was doing uh, psychological assessments and risk assessments on them as well as their therapy and I was working hand in hand with parole and probation to monitor them while they're out in the community. So that's that little cross section. So since then, and since I spoke to you last, uh, I have left that world and I actually am a law enforcement psychologist now. So I work directly for a very large law enforcement agency here in Southern California, where the officers are actually my clients. Oh. So I provide clinical services to officers their significant others, couples therapy. We do um, different group therapies. And that that's really fun. It's, it's kind of funny because people are like, whoa, you went from like the bad guys to the good guys. <laughs> you know, how was that shift? But for me, if you remember, my background is in law enforcement. I was a police officer before I was a psychologist. So it actually feels like everything has come full circle. Uh, my dissertation research in graduate school was in law enforcement psychology. And I always sort of studied it, probably because I was living it for a while and had some critical incidents of my own that I wanted to know, am I reacting, you know, in a normal way for this unusual situation. So about one, the, the biggest majority of my job right now is doing clinical services. We also get to be a part of the actual police stations. So each psychologist at my employer is assigned a number of divisions. So we each get at least one or two police stations that we are the consultants to, mm. as well as some other divisions. So what I do is I, I consult with the, the commanding officers there. If there's any issues going on, morale or burnout, you know, I can come in and do trainings. I can do wellness days for them where I put together basically a training day on how to take care of yourself. So a lot of great preventative type, um, you know, we can get into the ways in which, you know, obviously law enforcement officers suffer in their mental health, but um, there's a lot of ways in which we can take some preventative steps as well. And then the last part of my job, which is probably the most fun and where the idea for Stockholm Syndrome came, is that I am part of the crisis negotiation team. Mm. So um, every time there's a barricaded suspect or a suicidal subject where there will be some negotiating, a psychologist is always there on scene in real time, 
helping with the negotiation. We don't actually get on the phone, but we're sort of consulting in real time. Wow. Okay. I'm trying to think of TV shows. You're not Criminal Minds right. figuring out the uh, the mass rapist in five different states and figuring out that he lives in Georgia. That's not you. Yeah. <laughs> no. And then you're, you're more like the lethal weapon. You just shot someone. <laughs> the cop shot somebody. Well, How yeah, do you deal yeah. with that? You're that person. Right. Right. Yeah. Lethal weapon. Um, let's see. What are some others? The Departed. There was a, a police psychologist in the movie The Departed, mm-hmm. if you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she ended up sleeping with a couple of her clients. So we're not going to use her as a great example. But um, but yeah, after after a critical incident and most commonly we think of a, an officer involved shooting, they are mandated to come to see the psychologist. And at my agency, we see them three times. We see them about 72 hours after the shooting. Um, we want to make sure they've gotten some good sleep, that their, you know, their their physiology has come back to normal, to where they can come in and talk to us about what happened. Um, and really, we're there just to debrief them to help process the incident. And it's not to question what they did. That is not our expertise or forte. Mm-hmm. And then we'll follow up with them in about six weeks, just because we want to see if there's anything still lingering, because that's around the point where you want to look at PTSD if it could be there. Um, And then we see them down the line when they have to appear in front of their use of force review board. So, of course, at some point, right, they have to the department has to say, okay, we reviewed this incident and basically pick it apart. Here's what we think you did right. Here's what we think you could have improved on. And obviously, that's very anxiety provoking. So we just we just check in with them around that time because it's, it's a really difficult time when you feel like you may be reprimanded for an incident in which your life was in danger. Yeah, wow. I can't even imagine whether even if you killed someone or just wounded them or whatever, you had to use more force than you were wanted to do. That's going to mess with your head because even though there's a reality yeah. that this might happen, it's a completely different scenario when you actually have to do it. Oh, man. And it's extremely rare. It's Even for law enforcement officers, the majority of them will go through their entire careers without having to do or being involved in any sort of shooting, even if you don't, even if you miss and <laughs> injure the person. Right. But yeah, of course, of those that I have talked to where they have had to kill a suspect, you know, they didn't wake up that morning thinking that was going to happen. And mm-hmm. for any human being, that's a very abnormal situation to be in. And by definition, traumatic. Yeah. So uh, there's a bunch of stress reactions that come with that. When we're talking about the... Um Man, in the last few, I guess it's kind of calmed down a bit, but uh, Black Lives Matter and the cops using excessive force on certain cases and things, would they have, would they have seen the, obviously they would have seen the psychologist and then they would have had to process all that information. Do you see stuff like that where, because yeah. it's got to be breaking to, to think you did the job right and then you have the entire country practically pissed off that you weren't indicted for a murder uh, sure. and all that kind of stuff. you have to deal with that at all? Or what's your thoughts on stuff yeah, like that? We, um, so officers at my department can be what we call um, ordered in to come see the psychologist. Mm-hmm. And that would mean that if there's some sort of behavior that's affecting your job, then they would ask you to come see us. And basically, we sort of do an assessment to say, hey, what's going on? How can we help? And beyond the assessment, if they want to start therapy, then that would be of their own volition. But we... They can be ordered to at least come to us so we can check in on them and do an assessment and say, hey, yeah, it's probably a good idea if you come in. So what you're explaining could actually fall into that category. 
And that's why we do it automatically with officers involved in shootings or maybe some sort of critical incident where there's a use of force. But if there is definitely some public backlash or something else external happening where we know that could be very stressful, we even have officers who find themselves getting arrested for things, DUIs, domestic Mm. violence. And while they're on administrative leave with all of that pending to see what's going on with it, they will be directed to see us as well. You know, it's a time where, you know, I think my old job of working with sex offenders really comes in handy because I strip away what they've done in, in to some degree mm-hmm. to be able to say, how are you? What is the stress like for you? How are you coping? So uh, again, I'm not there to judge this officer for being arrested when he should have known better, right? right. He's law enforcement. It's for me to say that, you know, what else is stemming from here? Is there a substance abuse issue? Is there just or is there some trauma, underlying trauma going on here? How can we help? I can't help the situation, but I can help you get through it. Right. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. They send them to us for all sorts of situations. And, you know, the the residuals of some of, you know, the, the major incidents like Ferguson and those that you mentioned, there is still a lot of public apathy towards law enforcement. It is not a friendly place to work in. And that can really chip away at how someone goes about their job. And we find that is just one, one of the sort of daily stressors they're dealing with right now. I, okay. So this might be three questions wrapped into one because that's just how I do things sometimes. So I don't forget, but uh, what do you enjoy seeing, you know, because you can do just family therapy and stuff, but a police officer, they're going to have a unique set of stressors and they have to bring that home and uh, you know, always being on, you know, high alert and everything. So I guess, what are some of the most common uh, issues maybe that they have to process as a family unit if you have a you know someone who's listening that might have someone in a in that type of role that they can expect yeah you this are, these are th- these are common things that they take home yeah that's enough i think you figured it out um yeah so the most common reason people come to us uh voluntarily is relationship issues <laughs> having said that Actually, couples therapy is not my favorite. I think it's because this is the first setting where I've ever done couples therapy. So I'm probably not super confident in it yet. And that's usually how it is. I don't like doing something when I don't feel confident in it. But regardless, it's it's there for me to work on whether I'm just working with the individual or whether working with a couple relationship problems are the, the most common reason people come to see us. Mm-hmm. It's there. It, I, I do really love educating both officers and their significant others on why they act the way they do when they get home. And it's really neat to sort of educate them on what's going on physiologically, psychologically, when they have to be hypervigilant all day long at work, they see the worst of the worst, they have to have their head on a swivel, they have to deal with things in sort of black or white, yes or no, go to jail, don't go to jail all day long. And then they come home and they've got like nothing left to give. You know, they are depleted They're because they've been hypervigilant all day. That's got to come down. They end up questioning their spouse or their kids like they're suspects. <laughs> that doesn't go over well. And it, spouses who are on the outside of law enforcement, because it is such a strong subculture, can really feel like they're on the outside of that bubble a lot. Mm like they don't quite understand. And there is that us against them mentality with law enforcement of, well, you just don't get it. You don't understand my job. And they tend to then isolate themselves from people who aren't law enforcement. 
you know, some of the best advice is, hey, make sure all your friends are kind of, you have like a variety of friends in different fields. Don't talk the cop lingo when you're in social situations. Like, you know, that works at work, but it doesn't translate so well at home or in your personal life. And so it's making that shift is, it's tough because we train them a certain way. We expect them to be like that, but then they have to like shift when they get home. So we, I, I do a lot of work in that area. There's a really great book called Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement by Kevin Gilmartin. And I give it to clients and to their family to read all the time. It's fantastic. It's a very short read. It's a really thin book. It talks about uh, the physiology of it, what's going on with chemicals in their brain. Mm. It's just a great explanation for why. I mean, I have guys that are like, oh, my God, I turned to this chapter. I'm like, that's me. And that's me. And that's me. And they just identify with it. And to know why is really powerful because then they can start identifying, okay, how can I be a little more engaged at home? Or, you know, how can I open up communication that's going to help in the long run with my family? Yeah, because you know, some police seem like they have a power trip. You know, <laughs> just and it, they just yeah, oh, I'm so macho and I can do what I want. I got this power, and then you go home, and then you got to turn that off somehow. That's- yeah, yeah, and it, it it can be life saving. I mean, there's there's a reason for it out on the street, and especially if you're working in South Los Angeles or um, you know some of the other areas that are are really tough, and you have to have command presence from the get go. Mm-hmm. It's life-saving, but it's not life-saving at home. Um, you know, you, you should, not that you should be able to turn it off, but you should think a little bit more about how it's affecting the people around you. And I, I it's just, it's such a nice blend for me and the, the satisfaction I get as a psychologist, because I grew up in a law enforcement family. My mom, my dad, and my stepdad were all law enforcement officers. Whoa. Then I went into it. Yeah. Then I went into it. I married a police officer. I have a brother who's You're like blue blood. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. I know. We're so not like that, but but yeah. So I, you know, being the daughter, being the wife, being the sister of law enforcement officers, and having done it myself is is unique. So for my where I work, I'm actually the first police psychologist that has any law enforcement experience, and there's only really a handful of us throughout the country. We have our own Facebook group oh, yeah, <laughs> where we were both cops and um and docs cop docs is what we kind of call ourselves there's not that many and you really see it either in training when i talk about it or sometimes if it's relevant i'll self-disclose it in in therapy but i can just see the change on the officer's face when they learn that i was in law enforcement or someone else will usually tell them you know yeah and they just, they look at me like, oh, like they, they kind of let go and they're like, oh, you, you get it. You yeah, understand. you can trust her. Just, just be open. She knows exactly what you're going through. She just took a different path at some point. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's such a like automatic rapport builder. And, you know, even the city I worked in was like kind of this quiet little suburb of Los Angeles. It's not the main streets of LA by any means, mm-hmm. but anything can happen anywhere. And I was involved in a couple of officer-involved shootings and, you know, some pretty crazy incidents. So, yeah, it's it's just such a great rapport builder. Yeah. Man, oh, boy. Switching back, I think, to the podcast. So do y'all use, like, real real stuff that you guys have have encountered yourselves? Or is that uh, not really legal because it's people can be like, hey, wait a second, I can follow the reports and see who this is? Or, like, how does that... 
Yeah, that's a great question. (laughs) So we, this was something Dr. Scott and I really had to figure out on the front end because we are bound by confidentiality, right? Mm -hmm. So hence the part of the title, LA Not So Confidential, (laughs) kind of plays off of that a little bit. We do, whenever we're talking about maybe a client or a case that we're familiar with, especially if it's a client or a former client, we definitely de-identify, you know, we we try to change maybe some identifiable characteristics about the person just in case. You never know. I mean, I feel like this world is so small. Um, They're white instead of Hispanic. might be listening. Yeah, yeah. So when we might do something like that. Or you change the the environment or the profession or or something like that. Yeah. So we we do want to come from our own experience and talk about cases or clients in which we've seen whatever it is that we're talking about. But we really are cognizant of um, trying to protect identity as much as possible. We just like I'm sort of being vague with you. You know, we don't talk about the agency that we work for. He. He's actually a county psychologist. I'm a city psychologist, but we both sort of work for the same agency right now. Mm-hmm. Just kind of happens how our, our careers kind of came back together. We don't name who we work for. We definitely don't touch cases that they have investigated. Ah. So if I, if I gave an example, it would sort of give it away. But what we do is we'll talk about cases outside of your area, that area in Southern California. If it's vintage Los Angeles, then that's not so bad. You know, I just don't want an investigator pissed at me because I talked about this controversial case (laughs) and now they might literally my therapist or my client one day. So there is some fine lines that we have to walk. um, But at the end of the day, if, if we're remaining professional in the information we're putting out and how we're conducting ourselves, you know, there's no issues there. And, and our, our jobs are both, you always have to get work permits when you work for the government. So yeah. they know about our podcast and they signed off on that. Oh, that's nice. But, they could have. Yeah, yeah. I was so, wondering, I was like, man, I wonder how they're getting away with that because it's such a, you know, <laughs> because of what, you know, there's always this, our face is your face and, you know, all this. There is a bit of that. Yeah, for sure. But, it, you know, I started the podcast the same year I started with this new employer and, and I was very happy that they took a risk to, they didn't really know me that well, but yeah. and I was still on probation. But at the same time, you know, like lots of doctors have side hustles as far as private practices and other things they have projects and that they're doing. And I'm I'm definitely one of those people. So I probably have like four work permits right now. <laughs> well, and that's what's kind of cool is you, I guess whenever you're into this stuff, you can take a case from Denver. I think there was a, I saw some clip about like mental illness, uh, you know, like people are schizophrenic, they don't take their medicine. And, you know, this one guy was swinging a bat and hit people and once he got all on the meds and got over it you know he, they found out like oh dude i didn't even know i was doing that and they're like yeah you this is you saying that they were already trying to hurt you and this is why you were attacking them and at that point i guess that's kind of how you can stem off of it like okay we know about all of these diseases that this guy has so this is our take on that case that happened in denver let's have an episode or two about it yeah we we try to go with um, as many records and resources as we can find because you know, we definitely, one of our, our hard and fast rules is that we don't want to be one of those talking heads where we are diagnosing someone through the television mm-hmm. or over the airwaves. You know, just because it's splattered all over the news 
we don't know what's going on with this person. We don't know what their diagnoses are or their history. So for us to say, ah, that looks like narcissistic personality disorder, we can say they're exhibiting traits that are similar to people who have narcissistic personality disorder, but we would never say, oh, absolutely, you know, our president is diagnosed with this. (laughs) So yeah, that's, I'm glad you brought that up too, because that's another thing that we have to be very mindful of. And, and look, we're, again, we are human beings and we judge people and we have thoughts in our minds about what's probably really going on here. Mm -hmm. But to say that out loud in, in representing it in a professional sense wouldn't be ethical or right. Yeah. All right. So the particulars, are you still on anchor? For your hosting? I am still on Anchor. Okay. We love Anchor. Yeah. Why do you love Anchor? And then um, you, I've heard sponsors. I don't know if that's just part of the Anchor platform. Like you use us. It's maybe it's cheaper. I don't know. But therefore you will have to have sponsors. Or did you find sponsors and you're like, you're getting paid for this? Please tell me what's going on. Oh my God. Okay. So last, let me take you back and tell you how this all started. Because it, it's actually interesting with our show. So our goal for 2019 was to possibly find a podcast network to be a part of and also to start monetizing a little bit. So that's what we set as our goal for 2019. Um, last summer, we did a festival called festival called the True Crime Podcast Festival, and it was held in Chicago. It was the first year they did it, and we got invited to do a live show um, where we essentially did a case with a couple of attorneys from a podcast called Getting Off and they're criminal defense attorneys. Oh. And we we covered the Mary Kay Letourneau case. So wow. the Seattle teacher that had had the affair, well, affair is kind of a gross word because he was a child, so but had sexually assaulted uh, one of her students. So we did this podcast festival. It was a blast. We got to meet some podcasters that have a really big show in the true crime area called Missing Maura Murray. And after that, they invited us to be part of their network, the Crawl Space Media Network. So we joined them and they were the ones that recommended Anchor to us. And we had been using a couple of other platforms. And when they told me Anchor is free to use, this this totally sounds like an ad and it's not. <laughs> no, I, I wanted to know because I know it's free and there's yeah. reasons why it's free and why people too who are doing this quote seriously don't use quote Anchor. That's why I was curious, like how did, how did that happen? Gotcha. So, so they were like, it's free. We love it. They will hook you up with advertising if it fits for your show and fits for how many downloads you're getting and all of that. And so it was, honestly, I was sick of what we had been using and anchor. I just, I found it so easy for me. And for me, you know, this is not a full-time gig for me. Obviously I have a job and I need to make it as simple as possible to get this done. But I love their editing tools. I love, you know, right off the bat, we kind of automatically get sponsored by Anchor and by Spotify. Mm -hmm. And then every once in a while, we find a couple of other ones that we get connected with. Now, we also started an account with Podcorn, who is also like an ad marketplace for podcasts. Mm. So you just you scroll through all the opportunities on there. You give a pitch. And if they decide on your um, your idea for an ad and your price, then Podcorn is kind of the marketplace that just you know takes care of getting everyone paid and all of that. I so must look at this. that's how we've been doing it. Yes, that's how we've been doing it. But Anchor's great. My my eight year old started a podcast this yes. year, and 
she did it on we literally record every episode on the phone on the anchor app sitting in my closet oh and nice action like I, I scott has all of our recording equipment i don't even have to have any of that it meets our needs uh for what, what is she podcasting do. or is that too much information so, no, 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 no. Her podcast is called Career Quest, and she interviews a different adult about their job every week. So she just finished her first season. She put out 10 episodes. Dude. Um, yeah, and it's like five to 10 minutes. You can listen to it with your kid on the way to school. It's just super simple, and I'm like, oh, my God, she'll probably make a million dollars because it's a genius idea. <laughs> yeah, she's going to get tons of downloads. Like, she's going to surpass our downloads, and we'll be like, what is going on? <laughs> Yeah, kid kid podcasting is a thing apparently. Yes. She just wanted to do it because, you know, she sees mommy do it, but I was It's been cool. I recorded four um episodes where you know, you can find nursery rhymes and stories that are like not copyrighted and uh I had a few people kind of, you know, take a listen, what do you think? And they kind of said some stuff and I just kind of let the ball drop cuz it's like it's another web page, it's another this, it's another that. And it didn't mm-hmm. really do anything with. I kind of guess I got it out of my system. Like I just wanted to record a few and just see how I can right. do it. But like, yeah, there's just, you know, you do anything for children. Yeah. And if you get the right niche, it explodes. Right. Yeah, it's a lot. I, w- I definitely wanted it to be her thing. It was hard to not be kind of the stage mom. Like, hey, you should be more like this or like that. I just let her literally do her own thing. Um, it has a Twitter account and that's it. I wasn't going to put any more effort into it. I have too many social medias to worry about right now. But That's fantastic. It was good. It's been fun. That is so cool. Like, uh, I know, you know, I have a kid and she's not even, she's 18 months. So there's a long time, but I've always, I was asking other guests about how do you, um, enrich your kid's life with lots of opportunities. And then when you find something that they enjoy or like they see mom do, uh, I want to be a part of that. I want to do that. And you're like, okay, well let's figure it out. Let's watch some YouTube videos or let's just encourage that unique adventure. Yeah, definitely. It, the funny thing is it started um, kind of going back to Anchor and back to our podcast. We did an episode around Halloween last year about the fear of clowns. Like, why are people so freaked out by clowns? Right. So we we really dove into the research and talked about that. And it was around the time that I was starting to use Anchor. And I took her into the closet one day and said, hey, I'm going to do just like a quick interview with you to see how this audio sounds. And so I asked her, hey, why do you think kids are freaked out by clowns? And we just did this impromptu, like two minute, three minute interview. And it was so cute that we ended up putting the interview into our episode. And people were like, oh, my God, your daughter's voice is awesome. And she totally got the bug from here on from there on out. Like she she had the I told her, come up with an idea, come up for a name and. And um, that's how it kind of started. That's awesome. Hey, real back, you mentioned you were in other servers besides Anchor. Did you have all kinds of issues like with the RSS feed being, you know, transferred over? I've heard it can really mess up your downloads and all that jazz. No, I just was very diligent about following the instructions. Mm. So we, we, so we started originally with Squarespace because that's where our website was hosted. Oh, okay. And then we went to a uh, simple cast yeah. and I just, I didn't care no. for it. And then we went to anchor. Okay. So, so yeah, I did really true two transfers and I was scared of that too. Um, but there's, there's a lot of fail safe that they have in there where it's not like, you know, Squarespace gets deleted before the other one's up yeah. and, and all of that. 
Oh, with Squarespace. So it was sort of, you recorded it and you just attached it in the back end like a uh, PDF or a video embed. It was just like an audio embed into it and it was saved on Squarespace's servers? Correct. Correct. Yeah, we just geeked out, y'all. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I know. I, there's so much more about that all of this that I never wanted to know, but <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You there's you can make um, essentially you know a podcast page on Squarespace where all your episodes are. So, which I was keeping it also like our audio on there for people who just wanted to download off of that, but mm-hmm. that was too much double work after we left um, Squarespace. So just our I think our first thirty episodes are available on there, mm-hmm. but we we keep an entire references section on our website because it really is important for us to cite the work, you know, kind of being the nerdy research psychologist that we have been to, you know, people want to uh, look up an article or something or a book or go back. We keep that fully up to date. Um, There was some controversy in the true crime podcast world last year where people were podcasters were reading the works of journalists and other people without citing it and kind of oh yeah that's not good wanting it off as their own yeah so so we're all up to date on that for sure but that's always been important to us that's fun well let me think here um anything about the podcasting or potentially you know forensic psychology public service announcement or any topic that you're like oh, i wish you would have, you would have asked about that that uh, i haven't said yet you know, I guess just kind of trends in the area, again, turning back to officer safety and wellness is, is really important. We want to know what we can do to take care of all of our first responders. Mm-hmm. And as many people might know, just from hearing it in the media, law enforcement suicide is at really, I mean, it's always been at high rates, but I think last year with the um, with the New York Police Department having 10 in their department in a year was just an epidemic. And, you know, it's, we're really trying to figure out why are more officers being dying by their own hand than by all other line of duty deaths yeah. combined. So that, that really is an area that was filled with a lot of stigma for a long time, but we're making a lot of headway. So, you know, just, I, I feel like the gen- in general, we're talking about suicide awareness and prevention a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, every time there's a celebrity that dies by suicide, you know, it kind of brings it up. We know the adolescent and teens, they're skyrocketing as far as really? the numbers that are dying by suicide. Yeah. Oh, more than, more than ever. Dang. No, the, the age range for just the general population um, actually has dropped. It used to be that the elderly population kind of, 65 and over were the most at risk for suicide. Mm-hmm. And that has dropped a generation to like 55 to 65. But then adolescents are spiking as well. Um, so is there any percentage rates are up in general? Um, I don't have them. It's pretty low though, right? Like it's just the fact that we want to see zero suicide. So even if there's 10 in, in, a, in a state, like we're like, that's, that's too many based on the, you know, the amount of, of officers. Because it's just not necessary. Of like, course. You could have um, had help. And actually, when you sit down with the numbers and kind of break it, break down the statistics, if you compare law enforcement suicide to the general population, it actually isn't that different. However, we 
screen law enforcement officers, right? When they go into the work, they are tested psychologically. They go through a psych exam. We rule out people who, you know, have troubled backgrounds. Mm. These are individuals who are being screened very intensely. So for the screening that they go through, the rates are high. So, what so that's on the what job? we're saying. Like, what's going, yeah, what is happening on the job? Um, and, you know, it, it can't all be PTSD. And a lot of it is the inability to cope. Yeah, it is a lot of what they're exposed to, of course. It's also the access to firearms. And it's, there's a big substance abuse problem. And when you are intoxicated and you're not feeling great about yourself and your wife just said she's going to leave you, you know, you're, you're more apt to be impulsive with that very lethal means yeah. of death that you have right at yeah, your fingertips. Yeah, there's no going back with, so, with the gun. Pills, you can maybe survive, no. you know? Right, Yeah. right. So, so we actually call it the deadly triad when um, there's underlying depression, the loss of a recent relationship, and substance abuse or alcoholism on board. That if yeah. we go back and we kind of do like psychological autopsies, those three things are almost always present. You can almost probably say a four with the social stigma right now of just. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be there for all of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it look, you have to look person by person, how much that's affecting them personally, mm. but, but we are making a lot of strides. We are talking about it more. My agency now has an annual suicide awareness and prevention walk mm. where it's a very uplifting day. We, we, um, you know, it, it's very celebratory balloons and speakers and wellness booths. And let's go do a 5k walk and talk about the people we've lost to it to just honor them. Yeah. But also let people know that we're here and we know that people are hurting and there's people to help access. Access is everything when we talk about prevention and there needs to be better mental health access throughout the country for law enforcement officers. If we want to break that stigma. I just came back a couple of weeks ago from a a symposium in Miami that was put on by the International Association uh, Chiefs of Police, and it was just focused on officer wellness and safety. And it was really cool to just be with people from around the country and around the world, really talking about these things and not not hiding them. Yeah. Um, and just saying we need to do better and how do we take care of our folks? And it's it's a multi dimensional approach. So. I like to hear we, that. I, I, I'm fortunate to work for a law enforcement agency where they've had psychologists for 50 years and we're the oldest behavioral science services in the country. Um, so we have other countries and other states and other departments coming to us all the time saying, you know, what are you guys doing? Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's been, it's, been, it's been great to be a part of this. I mean, like I said, it feels like sort of my entire professional career has come full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's really rewarding. I remember soon after I started this job, I guess I was talking about, you know, an experience I had with a client or something. And my husband's like, you, you really like, like your clients. And I said, well, I don't know if it's that I like them more than other clients I've ever worked with, but I think I'm talking about it more because I relate to them mm-hmm. and it relates to our family. And it, it was just an interesting point for me to sort of pause and say like, yeah, what, what is sort of this tapping into internally for me? And I think it is all of what I mentioned, you know, being the family member of law enforcement officers and 
and seeing it play out in a therapy room is different than at the dinner table <laughs> for uh, sure. I like it. I mean, this is this has been really good. How can people get in contact with you? Uh, what's the podcast link and all that? So our fabulous website that I was talking about mm-hmm. is la dash not dash so dash confidential dot com. Mm. Um, on Twitter, we are at la not so pod. On Instagram, we are at la not so podcast, and I am in charge of those. And I post all kinds of um, fun things all the time. You can kind of follow us around what we're doing in LA. We try to post when we're doing interesting things at work, but you know, have to keep some things under wraps. Yep. Um, it's a great way to interact with people. Um, and then we are also on Facebook at LA Not So Confidential and Dr. Scott runs that. He puts a lot of really interesting articles up there. Um, but we love people. If, you, if people want to email us, ideas we get great ideas from our audience about topics to cover you can listen you don't have to listen to our podcast in order you can listen to absolutely any episode because we cover a different topic each time but la not so confidential at gmail.com is how folks can get a hold of us and we will be if it does not get canceled we will be um at crime con in orlando the first weekend of may and we will also be back at the true crime podcast festival um, this summer in July, and that's going to be held in Kansas City, Missouri this year. And we will be doing another panel with the Getting Off podcast this year. Ah, I'm so jealous. I want to be a part of these things. <laughs> Golly, stinky living it's abroad. It's so fun. It is. It's, yeah, it's, it's a blast. We, we're having a fun time doing. Um, that was our goal this year was to get a little bit more exposure in different ways. So, yeah, if, if any of your listeners are true crime, you know, fanatics, check us out we'd, we'd love to have you guys on board so perfect that's shallow i really appreciate your time again hopefully this will blow up the charts and this will be i think my first podcast back from my hiatus so uh this is cool stuff awesome very good well i'm happy to be back thanks for giving me the opportunity to come back and and talk about law enforcement psychology because it's, it's it's pretty important Another great interview has ended. While you're on your phone, click that review button. Write up a nice review for me. Five stars if you could. As everyone says in the industry, it'll help other people to find us when we have enough rankings. Not to mention, I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you follow me at all on Instagram, you know you only get one link. So I use a link tree. And so it's a doctorsperspective.net slash links with an S. And that's going to give you everything you need to know. The top episodes of 2017 and 2018, the podiatry series, dentist, acupuncture series, holiday 2017, financial series, how to write a review, how to support the show, like buying a cup of coffee, getting swag, like t-shirts, the Today's Choices Tomorrow's Health book, that's the blueprints for better health, exercise, picking food correctly, and financial. And then of course, bundle packs, which can get you the no needle acupuncture book, 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pin at a great deal. The resources page has some of the products that I like. It's a affiliate style. So if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. Just like on the show notes pages, if you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well. So I really appreciate that. Things like Screencast-O-Matic, PureVPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, Prolone Edge or Hawk Grips, uh, once again, if you do need any coaching on 
how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight, and the Prolone diet, fast mimicking diet, five-day plan. Let me know as well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc. Reach out. Facebook, Justin Trosclair, MCC. Of course, at a doctorsperspective.net on the top right, you got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini-sodes on Thursdays and Saturdays. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain. I hope you will listen and integrate what some of these guests have said. By all means, please share across your social media, write a review, and if you go to the show notes page, you can find all the references for today's guest. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective. <laughs>